Welcome to the FPC Thomasville podcast. We believe human life has a designer, so learning to live by design will help you thrive within all your spheres of influence. Today, Dr. Dave Dorse will share a message about the courage to sacrifice as part of our Courage Sermon Series. The scripture passage for today is 2 Samuel 24, 1 through 25. I want to thank Pastor Tim for inviting me to speak this morning. Um, Anybody read the Mitford series, wonderful series of Christian books? Pastor Tim (laughs) is the hero, and this Pastor Tim reminds me of that. I just got a book from a friend, The Wisdom of Pastor Tim, and uh, this congregation could probably put together such a book. Um, I got to tell you, um, it is an incredible joy to be here. Um, My wife and I were reflecting two years ago, I celebrated 50 years as a pastor. I was a youth pastor, associate pastor, senior pastor. I know I don't look that old, but (laughs) I in fact um, am. And I have said it to my congregation, they don't like to hear it, but the best year of my pastoral life was here at First Press Thomasville, and it was mainly because of you, you folks. I see a lot of new folks, which is a celebration of the last five years that Tim has been pastor, but many of you who walked with me during that time and loved me uh, with an amazing love and gave so much, uh, it was an incredible, incredible time. Such a joy to be here. I've been asked to preach from 2 Timothy, or excuse me, 2 Samuel chapter 24. If there is a man of courage in the Old Testament, it is David. Everybody knows the story of David and Goliath, but there are many, many stories of his courage. And this is an interesting one. Listen to the word of God as we find it in 2 Samuel chapter 24. These are the last verses of 2 Samuel verses 18 through 25. And God came that day to David and said to him, Go up, raise an altar to the Lord on the threshing floor of Aruana, the Jebusite. So David went up at Gad's word as the Lord commanded. And when Ariana looked down, he saw the king and his servants coming on toward him, And Arioana went and paid homage to the king with his face to the ground. And Arioana said, Why has the Lord the king come to his servant? David said, To buy the threshing floor from you in order to build an altar to the Lord, that the plague may be averted from this people. Then Arioana said to David, Let my lord the king take and offer up what seems good to him. Here are the oxen for the burnt offering and the threshing sledges and the yokes of the oxen for the wood. All this, O king, Ariana gives to the king. And Ariana said to the king, May the Lord your God accept you. But the king said to Ariana, No, but I will buy it from you for a price. I will not offer burnt offerings to the Lord, my God, that cost me nothing. 
So David bought the threshing floor and the oxen for 50 shekels of silver. And David built there an altar to the Lord and offered burnt offerings and peace offerings. So the Lord responded to the plea for the land, and the plague was averted from Israel. This is the word of the Lord. So the context for this story is important. Why was David doing this offering? Well, David had sinned greatly against the Lord. David was capable of amazing great stuff. He was a man after God's own heart, but he was, like you and me, also capable of blowing it to the max. And he did, interestingly, by taking a census. Now you might say, what's so bad about taking a census? In 1970, when I was in seminary, I was a census taker. Did I offend the Lord? I don't think so. But it was the reason for the census. David was trying to number the soldiers of Israel to see whether he had a big enough army to really take on the Philistines and all the other enemies. And the Lord was ticked. The prophet Zechariah writes in the fourth chapter, the sixth verse, it's not by might, it's not by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord. And he made that clear time and time again. It's not the size of the army. Look at Gideon. Look at many examples. And so the Lord caused the land to be cursed. And then the prophet Gad comes to David and said, You, my king, need to make this right. And so he goes to this Ariana that is possibly kind of a title. It's a Hebrew word which can be translated ruler. He is called by a different name in Second Chronicles, the name Ornan, which is a more common name. This was an important guy. He owned important land at the top of the hill. That's where you put a threshing floor so that the wind would come and blow the chaff away. Scholars believe that this hilltop is what we now call the Temple Mount, where Solomon built his temple and later Herod built his great temple. So a significant place. And the man says very humbly to the king, it's yours. You're the king. I'll give you the oxen. I'll give you the wood, everything you need. Now, that might have been a bargaining chip. We don't know for sure. But David makes the statement that is probably the most famous statement in 2 Samuel. I will not offer burnt offerings to the Lord my God that cost me nothing. There's a principle there for you and me. I think to understand what David's saying there, it's, it's helpful to look at his view of stewardship. David in the Psalms writes in Psalm 24, verse 1, this key verse, 
The earth is the Lord's, and the fullness thereof the world, and they who dwell therein. He's telling you and me that everything we have and everything we are belongs to God. If you hear nothing else in this sermon, I hope you will hear that. The biblical truth about stewardship is everything that you have, everything that you are, your gifts, your talents, your abilities, your friendships, they belong to the Lord. I have a lot of heroes of the faith. One of them is a man named Dietrich Bonhoeffer. Some of you have heard of Bonhoeffer. He was a martyr during World War II in Nazi Germany. He stood against Adolf Hitler. And Bonhoeffer talked about cheap grace. His book, The Cost of Discipleship, is one of the great classics. He said, cheap grace is what the mainline German church was proclaiming, the church that collaborated with Hitler. It's grace without repentance. It's grace without commitment. It's grace without a cost. Now, the grace of God is free, but it is also costly. Another hero of mine is a man named R.G. Letourneau. He was an industrialist in the 20th century. He sold heavy equipment and made millions and millions of dollars. Letourneau College in Florida is named after him, and he was probably the person most responsible for funding Campus Crusade for Christ when it first began. He kind of put Bill Bright on the map, if you will. R.G. Letourneau made this statement. Another one be worth remembering. He said, I don't ask God, how much of my money should I give to you? I ask God, Lord, how much of your money shall I keep? That is a biblical way of looking at our possessions. Lord, how much of your possessions, your money, shall I keep? R.G. Letourneau didn't give away 10%. He gave away more than 90%. Now, there's another statement of David that is worth looking at. In Psalm 51, he writes this, For you will not delight in sacrifice, or I would give it. You will not be pleased with a burnt offering. The sacrifice of God are a broken spirit. A broken and contrite heart, O God, you will not despise. Now, do you notice something strange there? Here's a guy who just paid a lot of money to do a sacrifice, and he's saying, you don't care about sacrifice, Lord. It's one of many biblical paradoxes, a seeming contradiction that is meant to reveal a deeper truth. Earlier in this 51st chapter, David is confessing his sin with Bathsheba, and he says, against you, 
Lord, you only have I sinned. The first time I read that, I said, what? You sinned against Bathsheba. You sinned against her husband, Uriah the Hittite. You sinned against the whole nation of Israel. What are you talking about? David's trying to reveal to us, however, something deeper. He's not saying, I didn't sin against all those people, but ultimately, all sin, all sin is against the Lord. Yes, in the Old Testament, God asks for sacrifices. In the New Testament, God asks for sacrifices of a different type, our bodies. But what God wants most of all is us. The sacrifice of God are a broken spirit. A broken and contrite heart, O God, you will not despise. If you give your heart to God wholly and unreservedly, If you say, Lord, all that I am, all that I have belongs to you, you'll be all right as far as stewardship. God wants our hearts. He wants us to come to him with a broken spirit. I love the fact that that is preached and taught at this church over and over again. Confessing our sin and our need of him and imploring his mercy. And that, of course, takes us to the New Testament. Paul writes in 2 Corinthians chapter 8. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor, so that you by his poverty might become rich. We're about to celebrate the incarnation of our Lord Jesus Christ. The Word became flesh. Paul's telling us that Christ in heaven had everything. He was the Lord of glory, the Lord of all creation. But Paul says in Philippians 2, he emptied himself and took on the form of a servant. He was born in the poorest of circumstances, to the poorest of parents. When I lived in Bethlehem, Pennsylvania, we bought a home, and the previous owners had painted the bricks white. And it was pretty attractive. Except, for some reason, the soil around our house was perfect to produce these incredibly gross black slimy slugs that would crawl up on our beautiful white walls. Okay, I eventually got an exterminator who was able to get rid of them. But C.S. Lewis compares the incarnation of Christ to that. He said, God becoming a man. Imagine yourself as a slug. And yet the gap between God and humanity is greater than the gap between us and a slug. That's called the sacrifice of the incarnation. Jesus was willing to bridge the gap between you and me and God because of his great eternal love. And of course the greatest sacrifice comes on Good Friday. 
when the Lord of glory allows those human slugs to hang him on a cross, to pay the penalty for our sins once and for all. The hymn writers throughout history, Christian history, have struggled to put it into words. Amazing love. How can it be that thou, my God, shouldst die for me? Love so amazing, so divine, demands my soul, my life, my all. One of my favorite contemporary hymns, There in the ground his body lay, light of the world by darkness slain. Then bursting forth in glorious day, up from the grave he rose again. And as he stands in victory, sin's curse has lost its grip on me. For I am his and he is mine, bought by the precious blood of Christ. Friends, since all that we have belongs to God, and he gave the ultimate sacrifice for you and me, how shall we respond? Again, I want to read from 2 Corinthians chapter 8. Paul's talking about the Christians in Macedonia, <clears throat> most likely the Philippians. And he makes this really amazing statement in verse 3. For they gave according to their means, as I can testify, and beyond their means of their own accord. What is Paul saying there? They gave beyond their means. They gave more than they had? That's not possible. I believe what he's saying is that they gave sacrificially, sacrificially, more than anyone could have expected. Let me close with a great story. When I was a youth pastor back in Bethlehem, Pennsylvania, there was a young man in our college and career group named Yuichi Fukuhara. He was a graduate student at Lehigh University studying engineering, planning to go back to Japan where his dad was an executive in the steel industry. He was just a delightful guy. He hadn't quite mastered English, but he did know a lot about America. I taught Yuichi's new member class, and it was in the church parlor. And when we walked in, he turned to me and he says, if this is parlor, where is ice cream? <laughs> I love the guy. And he loved the Lord. Well, in 1977, we had a capital fund drive. We were trying to build a new facility for youth. We were bursting at the seams. And so on a particular Sunday, people made pledges. The Monday after that Sunday, I got a call from the chairman of the campaign. And he said, I just, got a pledge, I just read the pledge card from Yuichi Fukuhara. And he's a student, right? I said, yeah. He said, he pledged $5,000. Now, in 1977, that was a lot more money than it is now. He said, you need to go and talk to him and you know, tell him, really, we don't need him to do that. And so I called Yuichi, and we got together for lunch, and we sat down, and I said, you know, Yuichi, I was told that you made a pledge of $5,000 to the building fund. And let me ask you, how much money did your dad give you for expenses this year? He said, $5,000. I said, 
we can't accept that. He said, you must. I read in the Gospels that a rich young ruler came to Jesus. And Jesus told him to give everything he had and come and follow him. I am a rich young ruler. Now, in typical Presbyterian pastor fashion, I said, Yuichi, wait a second, you know. That's just an example. It's to show us that we're to love Jesus more than money. We, we really don't want you to give all your money to He said, I'm, I'm giving it. I just applied for a part-time job at Bethlehem Steel, and God will provide for my needs through that job. And he did. Well, fast forward. That was 1977. 1996, I'm pastor of Rio Vista Community Church in Fort Lauderdale, Florida. And a young couple, Dave and Paula Abair, feel called to the mission field. They want to work with students in Japan. And so Dave and I meet a number of times. We pray together. And then I remember Yuichi. I had lost touch with him. And I said, hey, when you get to Japan, see if you can look up a guy named Yuichi Fukuhara. I don't know how many Fukuharas there are in Japan, probably a lot, but you know, see if you can find him. So they went, and a week later, I got an email back from Dave, and this is what it said. Everybody knows Yuichi. He's a major player in the steel industry, but more importantly, he is the person most responsible for planting reformed churches in Japan. God used the experience that Yuichi had at Bethlehem Steel to help equip him to be a great steel executive. But much more importantly, God used his life because he gave beyond his means and continues to give. Since God has sacrificed everything for you and me, he calls us to make a costly sacrifice as David and Yuichi. What will yours be? Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we praise you for your amazing love, which left the ivory palace and entered a world of woe for us. You lived a life of perfect obedience to the Father, and you died a sacrificial death for us. Lord, you rose from the dead that we might have abundant life here and now and eternal life forever. Amazing love. How can it be that thou, my God, shouldst die for me? And now, Lord, you call us to live and to give for you. May our offering be pleasing in your sight. We ask it in your precious name. Let the people of God say, amen.